interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. What's popping out there, Browns fans? It's Brad Ward. This is another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. This is part two of our rivalry series. We're going to take a deep dive into the Buffalo Bills tonight with one of my favorite guests that we've ever had. This is his second time on the show. He is a smart, smart football man, and I am glad to have him back on. Uh, plus, we're going to take a look at the quarterback paydays coming up, extensions, as that affects both of our teams and play, favorite players probably, as well as a look at the Browns' potential arrival into this class of of elites in the AFC, or at least we hope so, right? So, Mikey, you can go ahead and kill that music, sir. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Big shout out to him, as usual. And let's get our guest tonight, Greg Tomset, on the air. Greg, how we doing, sir? Doing well, man. Appreciate you having me back, Brad. Uh, looking forward to it, and. Uh, it's going to be a really fun season for both fan bases. Oh, man, you said it. Uh, Greg is a podcast host and resident capologist over at Cover One. Cover One is a uh, pr- primarily Bills site, right? And you guys absolutely kill it. You do some fantasy stuff as well. Uh, I love, I, I think I said this last time, you're in your uh, Twitter bio, it says "Big Nickel Enthusiast," which I, I love that. That's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, we we have some fun. We do some draft work that uh, would would apply to some Browns fans. Um, I but yeah, my show is mostly Bills and then fantasy. Um, but uh, we have a lot of fun. It's it's a good time. Absolutely. Uh, so um, we want to hit on the Bills here tonight, and then a few other things before we get you out of here and everything. Uh, you know. Uh, I wanted to start with kind of just what the Bills have done as far as an offseason go. You know, we got Brandon Bean, GM, Sean McDermott, uh, Brian Dayball. They bring everybody back coaching staff-wise, right, primarily. Um, what was the emphasis going into free agency, uh, Greg, as far as, like, what were the, your, your kind of, like, uh, what needs to be taken care of here? So for the Bills going in, obviously you had a handful of you know key starters that were coming up as free agents. So the Bills are fortunate to already have, I think, 18 out of 22 starters still under contract, coming back pretty clean, pretty straightforward. And then they had Matt Milano, their outside linebacker, was coming up. Uh, Daryl Williams, their right tackle. John Feliciano, their right guard. Um, handful of other smaller players, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, guys like that. John Brown is a receiver. Um, mo- all of the debate in Bills Mafia was, hey, w- we're only going to be able to afford one. Who do you want, Matt Milano or Daryl Williams? So the bills were structured pretty well to have some cap space before the cap shrank. And when that happened, the bills were one of the teams that really got squeezed because they weren't in bad position, but they budgeted to have the normal growth, not the shrinking that happened. Yeah. Um, somehow Brandon Bean, the GM was able to squeeze back most of the guys. Um, they got Matt Milano, Daryl Williams, John Feliciano, all to agree to very cap, 
you know, friendly and team-friendly deals. They were able to bring back Isaiah McKenzie cheap, Levi Wallace cheap. Uh, they ended up letting John Brown walk, but then brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so they're actually returning 21 out of 22 starters, and uh, from my count, probably 28 of the top 30 uh, players overall that, that uh, from a snap count standpoint last year. So in, in pretty good shape. They, they were able to do a good job. No big additions. Emmanuel Sanders, probably the biggest addition, maybe an upgraded backup quarterback with Mitch Trubisky. Some people like Matt Breida as a speedy guy in the backfield. He came on a cheap contract. So not a lot of flat Flashy big additions, but you know when you go thirteen to three, make it to the AFC Championship game, bringing all of them back is a a pretty positive step. So um, definitely something I was happy about and pleasantly surprised that they were able to figure out a way to add, you know keep all of their top end talent. Yeah, I mean for me, Greg, when you sit back and look at this roster post twenty twenty. You're like, that's a damn competitive roster. They're pretty much ready, right? Like, if they can c- keep this together, they got to feel pretty good about it. So it was almost like their their primary objective was like, let's try to keep as much of this together as possible, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, both fan bases have been long suffering for, for a great period of time. So getting to that point... You know, I think a lot of people get this idea that, oh, we have to make another move because we didn't win the Super Bowl, so you have to make some other big thing. Well, in a one-and-done tournament, it's about getting yourself back there and then hoping things go better the next time. Um, I I think we'll talk about it here in a bit. I think Cleveland's now getting to that tier. And once you get to there, it's just staying relevant there. And you remember teams, you know, the Saints have been in the running over and over again. The Rams, you know, have been in the running. And sometimes it doesn't pan out, but it doesn't mean you turn into trash and just fall off the the heap the next year. So, um, you know, don't get me wrong. Would I have liked some flashy, fun addition? Sure. But, yeah, when you're bringing back that much talent, it's still a darn good roster. Yeah, I mean, I like some of these moves. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky is a great fit, right? And As a backup, you can't hate it. Right, yeah, you got to think, you know, if you lose your quarterback for the season and you have a guy like Josh Allen, you're done. But if you lose him for four or five games, you've got a guy now that can really keep you afloat, win you a couple, and you're still right where you need to be. And that's really what you're looking for. That's, that's how I feel about Case Keenum with the Browns, right? Like, Very same similar. type of deal. Um, so I feel like that's a great signing uh, on the cheap. Pretty, I mean, $2.5 million, that's a great deal. I mean, we're paying Case Keenum a hell of a lot more money than that. Yeah, well, I actually gave a couple other fan bases a hard time this year. You look at the money that... You know, Tyrod Taylor got twelve million. Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick got twelve million. The Dolphins gave uh, Jacoby Brissett eight million. So Mitch Trubisky for two point five. I'll, I'll take that. My for favorite sure. three um, are a cheap group, about two thirds of the way down that list. The fact that they got Jacob Hollister, Forrest Lamp, and Matt Breida all for about the minimum, just over a million dollars. You know, Hollister had a nice year last year in Seattle. Forrest Lamp started every game for the Chargers last year. Matt Breida had his, you know, really nice run in San Francisco. Nothing special in Miami last year, but those are three guys that have a shot to make this roster and be contributors and to get them for a million dollars a piece. Those are the kind of deals that I always used to get mad at the Patriots always getting. Like, how do they get these talented guys that are, like, pretty decent, but they get them for the minimum? Um, it was nice to finally have some of those for the Bills. The guys signed in for for real cheap. Yeah, I mean, you got to love Matt Breida on here. I mean, not so good of a year last year, but yeah. you know, and everybody runs well in San Francisco. But we're talking about a guy 
with elite elite speed. I mean, I think I read somewhere before in doing my research for the show that he was the uh, fast next gen fastest recorded player on the field for both 2018 and 19. I mean, that's unheard of, right? Like, yeah, when you talk about the you know speed translating and playable speed, yeah, yeah, he hit the highest miles per hour in two different seasons in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's no joke. <laughs> that's wild. Um, yeah, what do you, I mean, Levi Wallace is the corner coming back. Uh, that was one area I thought maybe that the Bills might try to upgrade. You like Levi Wallace at that opposite corner? Um, he's He gets beat up a lot. So obviously when Trey White's the other corner, teams aren't going to throw at Trey White all that often. So right. when, you, yeah. when you're the number two guy, you get targeted a fair amount. And he's... You know, he's a scrappy dude. He was a walk-on at Alabama, but he worked his way into a starting job at Alabama. He was an undrafted free agent who's now started for three years in the NFL. You know, he's a tough dude to beat. So he is your, you know, standard below average starter, but he's good enough to be a starter. So he's one of those guys that is always an easy target of, hey, what's the spot you'd like to upgrade in the Bills lineup? And CB2 is the most common one. Um, but he, they brought in guys to beat him out three different years, and he keeps beating them out. So yeah. the, the hey. popular name this year is a, a, a guy out of Pittsburgh, Dane Jackson. Um, he had some flashes last year. A lot of people liked him in the draft last year. Um, okay. He he had a shot to to kind of get some playing time. That that's probably a, a head-to-head matchup for that CB two. But I I'd, I'd probably still put my money on Levi Wallace uh, pulling it out. Yeah. So absolutely love the Emmanuel Sanders signing. I think he's like a perfect fit there. Right, possession receiver still has it. At least last year he still had it. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, I think he's a really good fit for that offense. Uh, you know, you lose John Brown. I mean, he's not going to take the top off like John Brown did, but you don't really need him to necessarily, right? Um, he's And then, you know, Matt Hack as your punter, that's the most unfortunate name for a kicker I've ever heard of in my entire life. <laughs> so they did make – so both of those uh, swaps were – a very clear indication of the preference the team had. So Emmanuel Sanders is a precise route runner with yes. the, you know multiple different years, the best catch rate in the NFL. Phenomenal hands, great in and out of his breaks. He's a quick guy who gets open. He's not going to torch people deep. John Brown, his nickname was Smoke for a reason. John Brown yes. could, could light it up and go deep. So obviously... They paid a little bit more to Emmanuel Sanders than what John Brown got in in Las Vegas, so they chose Emmanuel Sanders. They certainly could have had John Brown back. They made that choice. Um, yeah. I was a big John Brown fan, so I was a little sad for a moment, but I'm pumped about Sanders. The yeah. same thing, Corey Bajorquez had a cannon as a punter, but you know he'd also shank a 25-yarder every once in a while, and he could never pin a team deep. He would have touchbacks all the time and have a really hard time pinning the ball inside the 20. Matt Hack doesn't have a cannon, but he's phenomenal at pinning teams deep and pinning it inside the 20 and never getting touchbacks. Um, so obviously they made a conscious choice that they you know have their option to be able to go that way. So both of those guys, I don't think they're it's an upgrade versus a downgrade. They just pivoted to a different style. 
and a great name to, to absolutely <laughs> kill him with when he when he shanks one, right? Yeah, he's uh, a hack. All right. yeah. Yes, he is a hack. All right. Uh last two comments on the these free this free agency stuff here and we'll move on. But F A uh Obata, is that right? Obata. Yeah, you said it right. F A Obata. Uh, yeah, so I like his game a little bit. I kind of thought they bring him in to like probably play, but then after their draft, I would kind of reevaluate that, right? You know, they spend their first two round draft picks on edges. So we can talk about that in a minute here when we look at the draft a little bit more. We'll throw that in. And I kind of got to give you a hard time about this one. Bobby Hart, that's got to be one of the worst signings I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be really surprised if he makes the team – um, both Hart and Obata were signed before the draft. So although the, the attention goes on the first two picks being d- uh, defensive ends, the third and fourth pick were offensive tackles. So, yeah, um, yeah I, Bobby Hart was not a real popular pick. That's a weird dude. Um, <laughs> but, you know. I had to I, give you a hard time about yeah, him. Yeah, he, he was Wasn't he, like, pro football focuses worst graded, like, guy ever or something? Yeah, I, I he's one of those guys that, like, hey, I guess he has experience, but I don't think it was good experience. I, <laughs> no, I, no. I, I'm certainly not advocating for him to make it back on the roster. Yeah, on top of that, like you said, he's kind of a strange guy, and not not a, doesn't seem like a real great guy at the same time. Yeah. Um, all right, so here's some guys that I mean, you guys really didn't lose much. I, I I guess like the only thing I question here, I like Emmanuel Sanders over John Brown. I think he'll be better. I, honestly, I think he's a better receiver. That's my personal preference. You may feel differently, um, but when you look at uh, I guess Quentin Jefferson, right? Uh, and and but then more Tyler Croft is one that I have to ask about. You you like Hollister, but is he's kind of a downgrade to Croft, isn't he? Um, definitely different. Hollister is more of your H back move tight end. Can play some fullback. Can play special teams. He's quicker, but he's smaller. Like he's more the six two two thirty. Croft is your traditional. 6'5", 260, you know, your traditional big tight end, 6'6", guy. Um, We have that with Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney. So I I think there was probably a better path to the roster with an active game day role because if you can play fullback and tight end and H-back and special teams, (laughs) Hollister probably had a better path to it. But, yeah, it's just which is the better hand-in-the-dirt second tight end. It's probably Croft, and then Hollister's probably better at the rest of those things. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not an upgrade. It's not some huge uh, addition no. of things. Um, but I think that they're you know just a, a pivot to another direction. They were probably looking for more of that role, and ho- their hope is Dawson Knox makes the two of them you know a, a backup or irrelevant anyways. Uh, but it certainly was putting some eggs in that basket that Dawson Knox has to develop. Yeah, Dawson Knox uh, can be great, right? He's flash, certainly. The, the, I think the highlights really are awesome. It's, if you yeah. can just catch the ball every time, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, he could be really good, and uh, certainly, and Hollister certainly is a Swiss Army knife. You know, we uh, he's always out there doing something for Seattle. I, I, yeah. You know. yeah, he had a good run. So, uh, all right, let's take a look here. Whoop, did I, I I went too far. Hang on. Come on, Mike. You get it together. All right, we want to look at the draft class real quick. Uh, so this is what I was talking about. This blew me away kind of because I like both these guys a lot. You know, Rousseau, obviously, uh, 6'6", 266. He's one, he was one of the premier edges in the draft. They take him late in the first round, and they come right back in the second round 
and take uh, Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham threw me off when I first looked at this, but Carlos Basham Jr., who I really, really liked actually as an edge uh, in the draft process. So tell me about them going. This is a focus, obviously, right? They felt like this had to be upgraded. Yeah. So it's funny. I really love the F.A. Obata signing. Obata was a really nice, versatile defensive end who can kick in and play D-tackle. You mentioned the loss of Quentin Jefferson, who was kind of the same, like technically a D-end, but kind of a D-tackle, could do both. I was like, oh, he didn't get to because we had one of our nose tackles opt out last year. Jefferson played defensive tackle the whole time, and now it was like, oh, well, Obata can do what they wanted Quentin Jefferson to do. That would be great. And then they come in the draft, and we knew that pass rusher was an option, but I don't think it was necessarily (laughs) the number one focus from a fan base standpoint. And then they pick Rousseau, and we're like, all right, well, that's cool. I mean, he was one of the better values on the board at the time, and I think the end of the first round was like four defensive ends in a row. And like, okay, well, he had, you know, last time he played, he had 15 and a half sacks, second to only Chase Young in the the, uh, nation. So, you know, all right, I could work with that. And then we go into day two, and it's scrolling down, and we're getting to that point where, you know, like you said with Basham, I liked Carlos Basham a lot. And if you told me that Carlos Basham was going to be available at pick 61, I would have been ecstatic. Yeah. But I would have told you, hey, we're going to get Carlos Basham at 61. You don't need to take Gregory Rousseau at <laughs> pick 30. Totally. So totally. I get like for anyone who ever questions Brandon Bean and does he really mean he's going to take best player available this year's draft of going back to back defensive ends and then back to back offensive tackles yes you cannot question it the You're man right. is taking the best player available regardless of what what was going on um so i i like you said it, it's a great problem to have i like obata i like gregory rousseau i like boogie basham we have six NFL caliber defensive ends on the roster because we already had Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and last year's second round pick AJ Epinesa. Yeah, um, and then Daryl Johnson's actually been a, a nice up and coming younger guy that's out there. So there's a lot of young talent on that defensive end group. There then is. you know, obviously, thankfully, making Bobby Hart expendable, we drafted our swing tackle in the third <laughs> round with Spencer Brown, who is. For anybody who gets into like the RAS scores, the our relative athletic scores, yes, he was the most athletic offensive tackle in history since 1987. Wow, he's insane! Like the 6'8", 3'11", He ran a 4'9", 4'40". He set the wow. record in Northern Iowa with a 500 pound bench press with like crazy 35 inch arms. He's a freak of an athlete. He played at a lower level of school, so like he still got some work. He didn't play last year because the Division One AA switched to the spring, and he wasn't going to yeah. play in the spring. So he actually worked with Joe Staley, the 49ers offense tackle, oh, uh, former awesome. 49ers all year, and just like lived at his house and trained with him forever. So fans are excited about him. I think that we're a year or two away from seeing him on the field, but he's okay. a nice transition for the post Daryl Williams era. Um, and then, you know, Tommy Doyle is a similar athletic big guy that maybe he can kick inside and compete uh, at guard sometime, but 6'8", 320 is a big man. Marcus Stevenson is a really fun one. Um, crazy fast. Uh, so he's, on the previous slide, you had mentioned about losing Andre Roberts. Um Andre Roberts isn't a big name in a lot of, you know, fan bases, but 
he's been a Pro Bowl or All-Pro returner for the last three years. Um, so we lost a really strong returner there. I think Stevenson competes with Marquez or with Isaiah McKenzie for the return job. Then, you know, some guys who will compete for back end roster spots. Demar Hamlin is solid safety out of Pittsburgh. Rashad Wild Goose, a lot of people know it just because it's a fun name uh, yeah. out of Wisconsin. Uh, I think they have some special teams ability, but, you know, probably not going to see the field a ton early on. Uh, but, you know, and then the same thing with Jack Anderson. I think he's probably more of a practice squad kind of guy to come forward, but it's. It's nice as a Bills fan to now be in position where, you know, I'm not 100% sure how much any of our draft picks are going to play because the roster is so deep that there's just not that many snaps available. You know, whereas I spent 20 years hoping that every single draft pick would come in and start and finally be good. Uh, now they have a hard time getting on the field. It's a nice problem to have. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I, I like that draft. I mean, you, you get two really elite I mean, that's a great problem to have is all those guys in that room, you know, battling to get on the field at edge, obviously. And you can, you could never go wrong, especially with the roster as it is going offensive line. Both guys, six foot eight, 300 plus pounds. I mean, beast guys, right? And, and you love that. Um, so, so let's go. Let me shift our focus here from personnel a little bit to, the offense, okay. So Brian Dable back again for his fourth year. Yeah, uh, fourth third, year, third year. He wasn't third. there the first year for Josh Allen and or okay. for in with uh, the the guys for Sean McDermott in his first year. But this will be his third year but, with uh, yeah. with the group. How how advantageous for Josh Allen? I mean, oh. at least for as a Browns fan, we're so envious of that continuity there, right? And for him at being able to play in an offense for three straight years. That's amazing. Now, the Bills turned into last year, Greg, I mean, they were the funnest team to watch play because they just threw the ball on every freaking down, shotgun and throw it, right? Like, they just threw it like 80% of the time. You knew what they were going to do, it, and they and the defense knew what they were going to do, and, and there's nothing you could do to stop it. Uh is there any focus? I mean, does Dable have any desire, or has he spoke on it at all about trying to incorporate the run game more? Um, so he's they've spoken pretty openly about it, both McDermott and Dable, about okay. that. You know, there's no goal to be balanced. There's no expectation or effort to be balanced. However, there is an effort to be better when they choose to run the ball. So that they still want a more effective run game that when they're going to run the ball, they want to get better results. They want to break off longer runs. They want to have more effective impact when they're running the ball. But I expect it to be like 75-25 again. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any doubt. They know where their bread is buttered. They know that when you have... Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders, you know, and that there's even a guy that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Isaiah Hodgins was a draft pick last year that a lot of people liked more than Gabe Davis, and he, he messed up his shoulder and was out for the year. They're getting him back. Um, adding Marquez Stevenson, crazy fast guy. Um, that's They know what drives this offense. So that they're certainly not going to change the fact that they're going to be a pass first, pass second, pass third team. But 
they do want to be better at running the ball, and they, they know that that is a tool they need in their tool belt, and there's games, weather conditions, situations, late-game, four-minute situations where you need to have that ability. Um, but obviously, you know, they shattered every franchise record last year, scored over 500 points. You, you can't. They're not pivoting away from that anytime soon. Yeah, obvious. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I thought, you know, but Brita is almost like a, a weapon in the, in the pass game, too. Sure. You know, I mean, such a – with all that speed. So it'll be interesting to see how they use that, uh, well, those the, guys. The Bills are a good example where a lot of people talk about that, hey, you don't exactly have to have the best run game to have effective play action. The Bills ran the most play action in the NFL last year, and it – you know, obviously, not having a killer run game didn't hurt it much. It they were still matter, incredibly yeah. effective. It's it's just having the threat of it. They want to be a little bit better when that comes up. Absolutely, it, it, that's a great point, uh, and it's something I actually have written down here for trends of the offenses this year and, and all the offenses last year. One of the things that was identical about all the best top ten offenses, top fifteen offenses in the league is they were all pretty good at at play action and. Yeah. The Bills, even without the threat of really a, a potent run game, were still able to be effective at the play action, and that's something that's really interesting, I think. Um, all right. Def- defensively, you don't expect much of a change. Obviously, you would like to be able to get to the quarterback more, right, with yeah. these guys that you took in the draft. But there's a there's a floor there that I don't think that you can ex- – this defense is going to be good again, right? Yeah, I mean, last year was actually a step back. They were much better in 2018 and 2019 and then took a step back last year. There were some weird injuries and opt-outs that yeah. impacted that. So I, you know, I'm hopeful that they get at least closer to what they were in 2018 and 2019, but I don't expect it to be a big drop-off. And obviously at the back end when you have Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, that kind of cushion in the background there, and then you can have Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds covering um, – you're not going to give up a ton of big plays. You're not going to give up a lot of killer, um, you know, high scores. But it would make a big difference if they could get to the quarterback. They have a good rotation. They have a deep defensive line. We don't have a Miles Garrett. We don't have a Khalil Mack. We don't have a Peak Von Miller. There isn't this one guy that everybody's terrified of. It's just you know good high level depth across the board coming at you in waves, um, like that old Eagles team when they went on their Super Bowl run. They just had yeah. waves of defensive linemen coming at you. That's the Bills' plan, and they hope they would love if Gregory Rousseau becomes a top end talent or something like that. But they don't have that guy right now. Jerry Hughes is the best defensive end, and he's very very good. But he's not. You know teams aren't petrified of Jerry Hughes. Uh, it, it's it's something that they they know they need more of. Uh, but if they do get a little step forward and pass rush, they could have something pretty special. Sure. All right, very good. Uh, you expect them? If I go top of the AFC, I you know I'm putting the Bills second in the, in the AFC like my power rankings. I go Casey Buffalo. Is that kind of how you feel too? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think you could put anybody ahead of Kansas City. Um, I think there's a tier in, in that next group, and I think fairly it's okay to put the Bills second there, but I don't think they're far ahead. I think there's three teams there, and two of them are in the AFC North uh, right okay. there. I think that they're the next three best teams. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think that it's reasonable to say that you know Buffalo was thirteen to three, didn't lose anybody, are returning everybody. They're an up you know, they're a young team, people are still getting better, returned 
GM, head coach, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, quarterback coach, everyone is back. Um, yeah. So I think it's reasonable to assume that you know they're going to be solid again. But there's a handful of teams that are going to give them a run for their money. Yeah. You, f- you expect them to win the division. They're the division favorites, right? Yeah. Pretty easily, and I, all that, I, that would be a disappointment. You know, you know, people ask what what is a success for the Bills? Like, do they have to win the Super Bowl? No, that's crazy. Like, good teams don't win the Super Bowl. There's successful yeah. seasons last year, besides the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, so not winning the division that would be a disappointment. If they, if uh, New England or Miami caught them um, and they didn't win the division, that would be a disappointment. Not making the playoffs, not winning a playoff game. You know, I expect them to win the division. I expect them to make the playoffs. I expect them to win a playoff game, and then everything beyond there is kind of gravy and just you know needing it to time up right. But those are expectations now, and that's fun. You know, the Bills have been way way below that for a long long time so now going into a season where that's the expectation is i'm expecting double digit wins i'm expecting a division championship i'm expecting a playoff win that's fun to finally have some expectations it definitely is definitely is sir you're watching all eyes on cleveland special guest greg Tomset. he does his work over at cover one which is a fantastic site that covers the bills uh as as well as you can cover an NFL team in all aspects of it, uh, you host the podcast, uh, the resident capologist, and a big nickel enthusiast, which makes me like. And it's self proclaimed generally like generally likable know it all in your yeah I like that that's, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> Self-awareness. You, you got to be self-aware. Self-awareness. Very true. All right. So let's go Josh Allen here for a minute. It, it, back to those rankings. Where would you rank Josh Allen in your top 10 of quarterbacks if, if I put you on the spot right now? So I, there's different ways to approach that. If you're telling me just the 2021 season, yeah, I'd probably put him about fifth, you know, because I, I still think it's hard to not take people like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers and guys like that above him. I think Mahomes is the easy number one. Then it gets a little, you know, some options as you move down of who you prefer. If you ask me, tomorrow is a start from scratch NFL draft and you get to pick any player to start your franchise with, I'd make a case Josh Allen's the number two pick. You know, I I think that, you know, he's just turned 25 and has, you know, a 6'5", 250 pounds with a rocket arm and fun as heck to root for, I, I'd certainly make a case that I'd take him number two after Patrick Mahomes and that I'd want to build around him going forward. So I, I don't get caught up when people say, oh, I'd rather have uh, you know, Dak Prescott or if a Ravens fan would rather have Lamar Jackson or, you know, those aren't crazy. Like, those aren't crazy things. Like I, I would prefer Josh Allen, but it's not that's not obscene. Um, it's But he's in that top tier wherever you put him you know that if somebody wants Kyler Murray ahead of him or Russell Wilson ahead of him and I'm not gonna throw a fit those are reasonable things to say but um if you know being a Bills fan and knowing that we probably have another 10 years of this coming that's it's a fun fun view to have out it's a in good position to be in yeah for sure and you know I I would take Josh Allen over Tom Brady I I think I mean Tom Brady won Partially because of what's around him, sure. not so much himself. So, I, you know, I think Josh is probably even better than him at this point. Uh, so I, I think he's great. Uh, and now, I was a 
big Josh Allen fan coming out of the draft and everything. So obviously, I, I wasn't. I was furious. Yeah, so obviously, <laughs> I I still have those receipts, and I was in the minority. So I'm hanging on for dear life. That, to those you were. You were. You you deserved to wave that flag. I yeah. I I wanted your guys' guy. I wanted yeah. Baker Mayfield yeah. going into that draft. I was sad when I found out he was going number one. I loved the swagger. I loved the the approach. I thought he'd be a great fit. And honestly, both quarterbacks would have done really well with both fan bases. Like they're both a, re- a really good fit oh, from a personality standpoint. Um, but yeah, I was terrified that Josh Allen was a bust. Yeah. Hey, I think it, I think it worked out. For, I've never for been both happier sides, to be so. very very wrong. I've never yeah. been happier to be wrong. Yeah. So, so that brings us to our guy now. So, and and we'll throw Lamar in the mix here too. If you just your rankings, base it on whatever you want. Just like 2021, what you expect from these guys and the team around them. You know, a lot of rankings have Baker just outside the top ten. Some have him barely in, but that's kind of in the range he's in. Lamar, some have him further down, like to 15 or so. Lamar, you know, is in the top 10 usually in most rankings. Where do you, where do you have the both of these guys in your mind? So, obviously, I, I like Lamar more from a fantasy standpoint. Um, right. I, I understand the excitement there. I, he had an MVP season two years ago, so it's crazy to, you know, try to say that he's trash or something like that. Um, I have concern about this the sustainability of his style of play and that if he's going to be able to transition from he can't keep having 200 carries and a thousand yards like that's just not feasible for a long-term mm-hmm. career for a quarterback and at some point when he has to pivot to not stopping running but less running and more passing is he ready to pivot to that I, I don't I don't know that I see that. And that he is a strong enough uh, passing acumen to run that kind of offense. And I don't think that's coming tomorrow. I, I think that he is elusive and just unbelievably dynamic with the ball in his hands. And there's a couple more years of that coming. Um, I don't know if it's 10 more years of it. And that if you were asking me today, and I think we're going to get into contracts here, if I had to pick one to sign for a long term contract, I comfortably take Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson in that, okay. you know, now if you ask me the odds of who's going to have a better season here in 2021, it's, it's pretty close. I, matter of fact, I think it's close. I don't think it's definitively Lamar Jackson over Baker Mayfield. I think Baker could have a better season than Lamar in 2021. But if you're asking me who's going to have the better run over the next five to 10 years, I very quickly take Baker Mayfield. I think that he, um, I actually think he's going to take a big step forward this year. You talk about the analytical approach of the front office and, and the, the brain trust with the Browns. They want to know what they're getting here, and I think they want to make sure, you know, if you take take yourself back from a Browns fan standpoint and ask, hey, what's the biggest question with Baker? And it's obviously how much is him, how much is a phenomenal offensive line, and a great run game. And, you know, I, I think he showed plenty to show that it's not just the offensive line and the run game, but he benefits from it. Like, that's obviously helpful to be able to have that. Um I think it would be smart to push a little bit more into the passing game, to put a little bit more on his plate and to see that and then to confirm that, hey, you know, we already felt like we had our guy. We were already ready to pay him. But look, we now put more on his plate. We leaned a little bit further into there. And now we know and feel good about it. Let's write him that check with 
nine digits in it um, and, and going yeah. through there. Um, I, I think he's going to. I think that the Browns have their long-term franchise quarterback and that I think he has flashes of upside to be able to get into that that higher tier. Uh, we just need to be able to see it on a more consistent basis where he's the reason that you're winning those games. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think you nailed it as far as his evaluation. It was like last year was such a growing process for him. It was weird because is right right when he kind of hit his stride, they had those bad weather games, two of them in a row, and then they had, like where it was like freaking hurricane, right? Like nobody could throw the football in those two games back to back. I think it was Philly and Oakland or whatever, and then he he was throwing the ball really well, and the offense was humming in in the play action, and it was kind of like, and then Stefanski right towards the end of the season, he kind of said. Let's see what he. Let's see if he can just do it with his right arm a little bit. And they started to test that, right? And I felt like he passed with flying colors. But you want to see a bigger sample size, right? Yes. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. So in my interpretation of this, let's just look look at the quarterback market with these three guys. It's an intriguing thing because Lamar's representing himself. You've got Josh Allen, who's you know, I think probably the most deserving of the most money at this point. And then you've got Baker. I I feel like the momentum towards a Lamar Jackson deal seems to be out front for me right now. I feel like that'll come first. And then probably Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Uh, do you think Josh Allen's deal gets done before the season? So I, I do think Lamar does. I think Lamar deserves a big chunk of money up front, and I'd be okay. comfortable giving him huge guarantees for three to four years. If right. I was Baltimore, I would be comfortable giving him four years, and honestly, four years, one hundred and sixty million with a huge chunk of it guaranteed, because I think he's going to be good for the, that run. Now, I have concern about another contract after that, but I think right. you can get really good value and more elite play from Lamar Jackson in the near future. Um, I am going to assume that, you know, Cleveland's already picked up the fifth-year option. They've already put themselves in position to be able to lock up this year and next year. There's no rush to do this. I also, you know, I don't think the offense is set up for him to have some breakout 5,000-yard passing season where all of a sudden you're worried about having to pay him Mahomes money I think that you know he could have a really good season lead them to a division championship playoff wins really good success and then feel good about the deal that hey now we feel great about it so I I would get it if Cleveland wants to see one more season but I won't be shocked if he gets it beforehand um Josh Allen and the Bills have already talked about the fact that there's no interest in Josh going anywhere else there's no interest in um the Bills wanting to look elsewhere He's actually talked about wanting to do a longer-term, more Mahomes-type season Interesting. Uh, contract that they can give them the option each year of, hey, if you want it to be a signing bonus and give me all the money this year, that's fine. If you want to convert it to a signing bonus and let it uh, prorate over the next five years, um, that's an option that you have. But I think the reason for it is 
the progression you've seen. Josh Allen has gotten better every single year by historic amounts. His jump from year one to year two was as big as any quarterback had had, and it still wasn't great enough. And then his second year, he had the biggest jump from year two to year three ever. Um, you know, guys like Lamar have been up and down. His best year yeah. happened, and then he took a pretty sizable step back. That decision to throw the ball to Taron Johnson in the playoffs for a back-breaking pick six to go back 100 yards, you have to question that. Like, how how do you allow that to happen in that moment? Um, Absolutely. Baker, you can make an argument his rookie year was his best year out of the three. I think he was better this past year than year two, um, and I think he has more to come. But there, it's fair to question that. Like, hey, we want to see another step forward. We want to see consistency. We want to see a linear progression to be able to move forward so we feel confident in the direction you're going. I think that... That's why there's a couple different options there. Obviously, Lamar's already got an MVP. He's going to get paid. He's, he deserves a big paycheck. Um, I have to imagine Baker's group is not looking for $45 million a year, so it, it all depends on how high they're pushing between 35 and 42. You know, where does it fall in there? And I think that it's something where... I, I'm going to guess the Browns want to see a little bit more and that Baker's the kind of guy that I could see being comfortable betting on himself, that he's going to benefit from it by the end of the year. And as Browns fans, if your worst-case scenario is, oh, my gosh, our quarterback played so well, and now we have to pay him a ton of money, it's those great are problem. great problems to have. <laughs> great problems to have. So, you know, if any of these three wait until after the year, I don't think it's going to be a disaster. I don't see any of the three quarterbacks taking huge steps back or, you know, becoming a pumpkin or falling back to earth. I think they're all going to be pretty good. Um, I think all three teams are going to be good. I think they're three of the top four teams in the conference and are going to be right there division weekend, AFC championship weekend. I think they're three of the four best teams that, that are out there. So um, I think they're going to be in really good shape and, and going to deserve to get paid very handsomely. Uh, so if my you know my kind of prediction all along has been the order will be probably Baker last and Lamar first if I had to pick an order and probably Baker may be the only one that gets done either mid-year if they do that you know it, I think it's possible they could see like half a year and be like okay that six games with the with the eight games we saw last year that's about a full season or whatever we feel good about it let's do it now I can see I, that. Yeah, I could see that too. Or wait till the end of the year. But I think if they do wait, it's probably going to go over 40, at least by a little. And I think that probably Lamar and Josh are going to get over 40. Is it crazy to think that all three will get over 40? No, I, I mean, that's just the market rate of how that's things what I work. Think too. It's, yeah. it's really hard. It, and especially with what the franchises have experienced that Baltimore went through the drop off after Joe Flacco. The yeah. Browns, obviously, the back of the quarterback jersey in the list. Like, <laughs> so, someone made a really funny point that if I was Baker Mayfield's agent, I would just wear that jersey into the meeting yeah. and be like, "Hey, you remember this? Uh, you know, what do you Done. do? It's Done. yeah, you know, yeah. no one wants to go back to that. The same thing. The Bills had just as ugly of a run uh, as the Browns did, it just not as funny in in the way that the jersey <laughs> came together. Um, but, you know, both of those franchises want nothing to do with going back to that quarterback wasteland. No. So um, all three are going to get paid. And honestly, when your alternative is, oh, man, we got to go start over and try to go find someone else, you're going to pay. It's just yeah. the way it's going to work. So, I, yeah, my guess is 
Josh is closer to the 42 and a half area. Um, I actually think Lamar is going to get very similar. I think he's going to get paid really, really well. I think Josh will get a longer deal. Lamar will get a little bit shorter deal. Um, but also for as much, or I wouldn't even be shocked if it's for more money in, in per year that yeah. Baltimore gives Lamar. And then I think that Baker will be just a small step behind there, probably $40 million. Um, if those guys get 41, 42, 42 and a half, I could see Baker getting 40. Um, and Especially if he waits, right? Uh, correct, correct. And that's, yeah, I think right now, if I was the Browns, I'd be offering 37 and a half. I'd yeah, be offering yeah. 38. There's got to be a um, discount to do it and now, the, I think. If, you know, again, just this, the kind of person that Baker appears to be, He's the guy, the guy who's going to want to bet on himself and be like, "You want to know what? I know we can go and do this and be able to, you know, fun- be phenomenal in the in that final stretch and bet on himself." No doubt. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Final stretch here with Greg Thompson. I'm going to get you out of here, Greg, but I just want to get you uh, your thoughts on the Browns, just kind of off season as a whole. You know, we really feel like on paper. They're a top-five roster in the NFL, probably. They still need to prove it on the field. But as far as roster talent-wise, when you add Clowney and you add Newsom and, and you know, uh, all the guys in free agency, John Johnson and and uh, Andrew Walker and everybody, and Troy Hill. Uh, I was going to say, really- we, we got to wave our flag a little bit. When you had me on for the, the free agency preview show, we talked about John Johnson, Troy Hill. We almost pegged the contract. So had had a pretty good run with with those two. I brought that up with you on that show, if you remember, the cheap way to get better, right? And you were like, somebody does that every year. You say, I remember you were like, somebody does that every year. They, they get better at nickel every year by getting the best guy or whatever. And I forget what you said. But just so you know, we had Troy Hill on the show because he because his agent watched our show and saw how much I was pumping him. He reached out, he DM'd me and said, thanks for the support. And I had to ask him, I said, hey, can we get Troy on the show? And he said, absolutely. So Good here, I'll you, show man. you. That's, that's great. Let me show you this right here. They're all eyes on Cleveland. We here. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic, man. That's awesome. So I, I, honestly, you know, as a Bills fan, you know, I'm, I'm an analyst and I, I try to be objective in things, but as a fan, I am not happy about this Browns roster. Like, the, yeah. there are not a lot of holes on this right. roster. It's the the guys that were brought in. I, I loved Greg Newsom in the draft. I was at the draft down down in Cleveland. Um, oh, there awesome. with most of my friends are Browns fans and and are are you know Cleveland guys and and going through there. We're down there. I wanted Greg Newsom to fall to the Bills at pick thirty really badly. Um, and when he didn't. One of the guys that I w- really was kind of rooting for the br- the Bills to take a pick 30 was Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo. <laughs> and then he falls all the way to the Browns in the second yeah. round. Um, that was just a haul to be able to do. So you, you add young pieces like that. You know, I think it's pretty fair to say that the secondary was the biggest hole for the Browns last year. So part of it is you need Denzel Ward to play the whole season. You want Grant Delpit to come back healthy. But inserting... John Johnson and Troy Hill is a huge addition. And now you don't need Greg Newsom to be an every down starter for the first thing. Maybe he rotates with Greedy Williams. Maybe he, you know, only plays outside and Troy Hill kicks into nickel when it's nickel defense. But when it's two corners, maybe it's Troy Hill and, and Denzel Ward. Having that kind of flexibility is great. And, you know, there are a lot of teams where I wouldn't like the Jadavian Clowney signing because they would be seeing him as 
they're his number one godsend answer and he's shown that he's not that guy he's not that number one guy that the defense the offense is making their blocking scheme plan around but when miles garrett's on the other side i, I for one um think miles garrett might be the best non-quarterback in the nfl like that you know aaron donald's older he's better right now but if you same thing the comment about the if you're drafting and you take quarterbacks yeah. out of it you tell me that Miles Garrett's your number one pick for non-quarterback starting a franchise with, I'd say okay. Um, yeah. He is a phenomenal player. And you now put a guy opposite of him where now Clowney just has to play off of that and just has to be that number two. Um, that makes me concerned. That That is a concern for me as a Bills fan. So, you know, I think there's still some questions at linebacker. I'm curious how Usu Cormoro comes up, but... You know, this offensive line's still phenomenal. You know, the two-headed backfield. I think you're going to see a nice bounce-back year from Odell Beckham Jr. I, I am very, very bullish on on the, the Browns this year. I'll be betting on their win total over. Um, I'll be betting on them to win the AFC North. And I very much think that there is a potential collision course in the playoffs with the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns uh, that I, I, you know, look forward to having those kind of stressful uh visits my wife is a born and raised cleveland girl um and she watches the browns upstairs while i watch the bills downstairs i'm <laughs> i'm uh i'm not looking forward to that in my house but it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun hey did you go to the draft with peterson uh he was around he was around okay. it was uh we were going back and forth it's uh it's it's good uh he's he's in the chat telling me that i gamble too much oh i didn't see that there i missed it. uh but yeah it's uh I am a, a big, big um, advocate of the Browns this year, and I, I think that this is going to be a very fun, exciting year. The depth of this roster, the depth of talent, um, it's very honestly, this is on Baker Mayfield because there is a very solid argument that this is the best other 52 in the NFL. The, the rest of the 52 guys on the roster are the best number two to 53 in the NFL and that it's going to be on Baker Mayfield to take that next step forward. It's a big, I agree. I mean, you talk about this offensive line. When ever have you ever been able to see an offensive line that really doesn't have any holes? And then, I mean, it's very rare that you can bring back every piece for a second year in a row when it's as elite as it was last yeah. year. And the draft pick like James Hudson and Chris Hubbard is back right. up. It's like, that's a right. great position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, last time, last thing I'm going to ask you about before I let you go here. Last time you were on, we talked Nick Chubb contract real quickly and you mentioned kind of the, the the franchise tag is a potential loophole for that or do you still feel the same about that so i you know i i think it's a shame because i think running backs are incredibly talented and deserve a better situation than what has just kind of created and developed itself in the nfl nowadays that, you know, I would love for it not to be this way. But, you know, you guys have one of the most analytically driven front offices in the NFL. If they cut a huge check to Nick Chubb, I will be flabbergasted. I will absolutely be shocked in that you're able to franchise tag him next year at a really cheap deal. You can franchise him again the year after, and it's not terribly expensive. And you're talking that six years 
of really top end running back play, and he gets I think it's roughly eight million next year and nine point six million the year after. You know, I if so using those numbers as a starting point, where there there the Browns can go to Chubb and his agent, big listen. We can give you two years, seventeen point six million, and you can't do anything about it. Like the, you have no other alternative. We can tag you twice in a row. How about this? That's you know obviously you know playing around there. That's an average of eight you know eight or nine million a year. What if we give you three years and twenty seven million dollars, and you know we have maybe an out in the third year, but you have some escalators that if you do well, you can lock it in to be able to keep it. Um, we'd love to give you that kind of deal. What do you think? And his agent, rightfully, is going to say, well, look at what Christian McCaffrey got, and look at what Evan Kamara got, and look at what Zeke Elliott got. And he should say those things. And The, Browns the market say, has changed, though. Yeah, the market it, has come So it's, it's tough. So here's my pitch, right, Greg, uh, is I look at the two of the more recent deals, Derrick Henry – and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones took one year guaranteed, basically, right? It looks like four for whatever, three for whatever, but it's one year for like thirteen million. Yep. And and Henry is four for fifty, but it's really two for twenty five five, right? With an out after the second year where there's like five million bucks dead cap, right? Yep. So I would frame it like Henry's, right? So if you if you you could really play hardball if you're the Browns and transition tag them and then that and that would be really cheap right that that would be like the 17. I think the franchise tag for 22 is like 11 maybe. Am I wrong on that? I ha- I don't know if I've seen the latest projection. I'm actually I think it's like it 11 and a go. half or something. Um. Yeah, I see running back this year. It was at 8.6. So, yeah, next year that's probably fair. Um, I, yeah. I think it could be up there closer to 11 or 12. Um, okay. So that, that's because um, adding in the Aaron Jones and the Derrick Henry deal brought that floor up. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that that makes it that it's 12. I think 12.8 is what I'm seeing projected right now. That's not official. Um, but over the cap does a pretty good job with projecting there. So they have it at 12.8. And that's, yeah, you know, obviously much more reasonable there um, that they're able to do that. And now that Derrick Henry, like two years, 25, that's probably about right. That, yeah, so that's what I would offer him, right? I yeah. would say, let, we'll give you the same thing that Derrick Henry got. We'll give you four for 50, but we're really going to give you a nice, big, uh, you know, life-changing amount of money and a signing bonus and a guaranteed second year for, like, $10 million, and And then they get a clean out after the second year if they want it. Yeah, or if he's playing well, they're happy to continue paying him. You continue paying him, right? And he's and he's probably a bargain at that point. So, I mean, do you? What do you think of that? I mean, is that's not as an analytics front office, they may come to him with an offer like that. Don't you think that's possible? Possible. I mean, possible. I think it would be. There's at still the, there's still a piece of me that wonders that thinks they'll are play they gonna, are they going to cut a check to a running when you have Kareem Hunt as a backup plan and you know. Let me ask you this just off the top of your head. What's your biggest draft need next year? Uh, I would want a long-term solution at edge. Uh, you know, but but there's not there's not some huge gaping hole that you need no. to fill. So if next year they said, hey, Nick, guess what? Look at this offensive line. You're telling us that we just take 
the best running back available at pick 27. Okay. We're pretty sure he's going to do pretty well. You know, yeah. it's they have some leverage to push back and be like, hey, if we have Kareem Hunt and whoever, you know, running oh. back X that's a first-round pick, and we'll just start over again, and we'll just do another four-year rookie deal with yeah. another top-end talent. And, you know, hey, yeah, he's probably not as physically gifted as Nick Chubb, but behind that offensive line and with Kareem Hunt, he's probably going to be okay. It's yeah. it's a tough spot for Nick Chubb and his representation to be in. I, I think there's no question the Browns have all the leverage in the situation, unfortunately. I just think that because he is everything you can ask for on and off the field, like personality-wise, he's a special kind of leader. He's not about me, me, me. He's totally team-oriented, you know, like... Uh, and you you do only have Kareem Hunt through 22, right? And, and this would get you with Chubb through 23. Yeah. So maybe they would offer that. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I, I do not want to give the impression that it's not going to happen. I, I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just not sure. I, I'm not confident that this front office that has done an awful lot of things right and spent money in the right places um there's a piece of me that wonders if they kind of have it in their head of hey we can probably you know go through and like i said maybe that's one year of a franchise tag where again you're still paying him 12.8 million dollars whatever the heck that is and then they use the first round pick and they're like hey we'll we'll try it in year five and you know then i think whatever the one point you have to pay 120 percent so then into 2023 you would take 12.8 and that would then become like 14 uh, 15.3 um that's a tougher number so now all of a sudden you're looking at hey that's two years and like 28 million um so then maybe that triggers the 2023 first rounder is uh, the running back, and that's their replacement plan. And you know they'll have options to that. And these are the exact conversations that you know Andy and, and his team are having. Those are the exact scenarios that they're going through, um, and that they're kicking around. And they probably have a number that if they go and say, "Hey, what if we offer this to Nick?" Um, they're playing around with the, the with those scenarios, and you know uh, it's that's what good teams do. That's just simply yeah. what, what good teams do. Either way, though, Greg, it. I think a lot of Browns fans think that deal potentially could come before this season, and I don't think there's any way in hell it comes until after this season, right? Like, you have to make sure he's healthy and still looks the same before you give him that deal, right? Um, There is a number where I'm sure it could happen beforehand. It would be one of those shocking numbers that people can't believe he signed for that little. The Browns offer right now is pretty down. Right. For him to get paid market value or let's say two years of the franchise tag in advance in guaranteed money like Derrick Henry got basically, it would need to come at the end of this year. Yeah. For, well, and obviously, you know, Derrick Henry is ridiculous in that this year Nick Chubb was only able to pl- play 12 games and even took a little bit of a step back in yards per game from the sure. year before whereas Derrick Henry you're talking about a guy he ran for 2,000 yards and has led the NFL and carries in yards for multiple seasons in a row you know he's shown that hey maybe he is the exception to this longevity piece at you know 6'3 250 he's just a monster um so 
there are some things that you know Nick Chubb still has to do to to confirm that. I think he's a special talent when he's on the yeah. field, um, yeah. but he's got to stay on the field. Yeah, he's got to stay on the field, and I think you know you could kind of counter that too with hey, you know. His usage isn't the same. He's splitting a lot of sure. carries with Kareem Hunt, and that's only going to benefit him long term. Yeah, for, so. for his longevity, it, it makes sense yeah. to stay with a phenomenal offensive line and a great running mate. That is better for his long term career earnings. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, man, Greg, you are fantastic. Every time for I sure. kept you longer than I said I would, I'm going to get you out of here. And uh, hey, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. All eyes on Cleveland. Greg Tomset. Follow him on Twitter at Greg Tomset. For Cover One, he is the pod, their podcast host. Listen to the podcast. It's fantastic. Even if you're not a Bills fan, it's, it's very interesting and great. Or and come check like, out our, our new fantasy podcast. We have a, a Browns fans, one of the co-hosts, so you'll have a lot of fun with it. There you go. Uh, where all popular podcasts are found? Every single place. There you go. And he's your resident capologist. Big nickel enthusiast. That's why I like him the most. So, Greg, you're the best, man. You're fantastic every time, and thank you so much. Go have a great evening, okay? Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks to Greg for coming on the show. He is fantastic, and we will be right back after the short break. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. That was Greg Thompson of Cover One. They cover the Buffalo Bills, do a lot of fantasy stuff as well, but uh, they cover the Bills better than anybody, and all everybody I have over there is like really, really smart football people, and Greg is great, so uh, it's always great to have him on the show. This is part two of our rival series. We've knocked out the Ravens and now the Bills. Obviously, we have the Chiefs to go. We're going to have Joe Valerio. He's a former offensive lineman for the Chiefs. Uh, he uh, is uh, on the Believe in Chiefs podcast. He'll join us before the season starts. But obviously, we need to wait till much closer to the season for that one because we freaking play him week one. And I heard some discussion about this this game with the Chiefs, and I've heard some fans concerned that you know that they're saying that the schedule makers didn't do the Browns any favors by scheduling Kansas City Chiefs week one. I would just like to say, personally, I feel that you couldn't have scheduled the Chiefs any better than week one for the Browns. Like, they have nothing to lose going in there week one. They played them in the playoffs last year. They have, if they, if you go in and lose that game or even lose that game by 20, and I don't think that's going to happen, but if you did, I don't think that's anything to be gawk at or be ashamed of. I, I think they go in there with nothing to lose in the first week of the season and if you lose, it's a little bit of a reality check on where you are and who you are as a team and what you need to improve on to be the best. And the next time you're going to play that team is either in the AFC Championship or in the divisional round. And you have from now till then to become a better team. I think that's the most advantageous time you could play the best team in your conference. So I like it scheduled week one. And if you win the game, You'd shock the world, and now everybody really is going to take you seriously from day one. 
And so I think I don't think you could have put that that game on the schedule any better than week one. Uh, a couple news and notes things. Uh, just so you know, Browns training camp tickets will be available on the 19th. They announced, and that's at the Browns mobile app. We're going to try to get some here, maybe do a giveaway. Uh, I'm working on that. Uh, of course, we are uh, hooked up with Vivid Seats. They have single game packages for the preseason games, regular season games, and multi-game packages that you can get um, at Vivid Seats. Go to uh, Cleveland Brown, or pardon me, all eyes on Cleveland.com and hit the Fanatics Vivid Seat button at the top and it'll take you right to the Vivid Seats link and you can check out all those games. It's also in the link below the description. And while you're looking down there or even peeking anywhere around the screen, smash that like button for me and hit subscribe and the notification bell so you know every time All Eyes on Cleveland comes on the air so you can get all of your Browns content here at All Eyes on Cleveland with myself, Brad Ward, and Mikey on the ones and twos. Uh, A couple other news and notes from around the league um, wanted to hit on that I thought might be of interest to some of you. I did not realize this, but Deshaun Kaiser, uh, ex-Browns quarterback, is battling for the backup quarterback job in Tennessee. So him and Logan Woodside battling for the backup job behind Ryan Tannehill. I thought that was quite interesting and something that I had not realized. There seems to be some conversation about the Colts and whether Jonathan Taylor and how much Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, that's a very talented backfield there, those three guys, uh, how they're going to split carries. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a stud. Uh, but that that's an interesting development there. All three guys can tote the tote the rock though. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to uh, make note of that I thought was applicable to the Browns, just uh, kind of post taste here, uh, is that Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post uh, in notes that the Jets have made multiple contract offers to Marcus May, who was on our best safety available list, uh, free agency. Him and John Johnson were kind of up at the top there. Uh, they put the franchise tag on him, but now they're trying to work out a deal with him. Uh, Dunleavy adds that the Jets' offer of $8.5 million per year to May was made before the Jets put the tag on him. Since then, May's camp and agents... Uh, agent has pulled their counter offer off the table after learning how much other teams would offer him if he were in, to hit the free agency market, like say next season or even this season. Now that he's franchise tagged, he can't this season, but realizing how much he's going to make as to what the fair market value is, and this is according to uh, NFLTradeRumors.com, but as to what the fair market value is for a safety, top caliber safety, it says uh, Dunleavy says agents typically target the average of two consecutive franchise tags, which would be $11.67 million a year. That's pretty close to what the Browns gave safety John Johnson in free agency. So as to look at that, the Browns 
got him at a very fair, reasonable rate once again. And and he was offered more uh, elsewhere, and, and John Johnson did come to the Browns with that. I will say this on the way out. Uh, last week I showed some T-shirts up on Fanatics that we uh, it's one of our sponsors. You can go to the website, alleyesandcleveland.com, with the Vivid Seats and Fanatics on the same page. Check out the website. Leave a voicemail for us. We'll play the voicemails on the air. Uh, if you have any questions or comments even about the show, we appreciate that. Uh, I will play the voicemail on the air live. Uh, we will have a show on Saturday with Mac Robinson, uh, also of the Browns Wire. Uh, and he also is working, uh, I believe he's working at 92.3 The Fan right now as well. So we're going to have Mac Robinson on the show on Friday. Um, and, or pardon me, not on Friday, on Saturday. Uh, so check in for that show. will be really good. Max, fantastic, uh, guy and covers the Browns really well. But the Fanatic shirts that were on sale for like $14.99 last week that I showed, they're like $9.99 now. So go to the link below in the description. Fanatics, Browns t-shirts, they're like $9.99. Go on there. There's a ton of stuff on sale for like under $10. And they're really nice t-shirts. So go check them out, uh, and you can get them right in the link in the description below or at alleyesoncleveland.com. Uh, just click on Fanatics Vivid Seats at the top. It'll take you right to our sponsors. Click on Fanatics, and it'll take you right to the page where you can purchase those wonderful Browns t-shirts for just 9 dollars and change highly discounted browns wear and of course as we showed last week all the training camp stuff training camp 2021 stuff is out and available at fanatics and and i like the white the all white ball caps especially uh for the 2021 training camp which we're going to get more into that uh our coverage of the training camp is going to be totally ramped up at that point uh i'm going on vacation for a week here uh later in the month but we'll be back for um the start of training camp and uh kicking everything off and really hitting high gear and stride with the show uh putting out content all the time for you guys um you can listen to this show on podcast form where all popular podcasts are found it's uh presented by blue wire hustle podcasts and uh, this has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I hope you really enjoyed the show. We will be back on Saturday with Mac Robinson, and it will be fantastic as always. Big thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos. Knocked it out of the park as usual. Uh, and with that, we are out. Enjoy your evening. Peace. Peace.